Hi, my fellow educators. Welcome to the Teacher's Impact Podcast. My name is Shani Marie Ogilvie, Certified Educator, and I am your host. If you are a teacher that wants to share or hear the opinions, experiences of other teachers, looking for innovative ideas for your classroom, learn how to apply research-based practices in your classroom, feel like your voice is not being heard because decisions are being made by people who haven't been in a classroom, then this podcast is for you. I have been in education for over 10 years and I've served in many different roles. I've been a classroom teacher, instructional coach, supervisor, and curriculum fellow. But in the end, my experience and passion for student achievement is what drives me. My hope is that we're able to share our expertise and knowledge, which helps us to learn and grow through these weekly episodes. This is episode 21 of the Teachers Impact Podcast. On this episode, we'll be discussing high-impact teaching strategies that you can incorporate that will give you results if done with fidelity. If you're an experienced teacher, then some of this may sound familiar, but you'll walk away with some new strategies to add to your toolbox. If you're a new teacher, then you're also in the right place because you can start off your teaching journey with a lot less trial and error as to what works and doesn't work. The first high impact strategy that we're going to be talking about today is the gradual release method. This is a method in which the teacher instructs students on the content and leads students towards greater independence. I think this is even more important now because we're in a virtual environment. We want students to be able to do their work independently. So another way to explain this is that the teacher teaches the content so that students are able to independently learn and complete projects, tasks, and assignments. So the ultimate goal is for the student to be able to complete whatever they need to complete independently. This is the framework. First, the teacher models it. Second, the teacher and students do it together. Third, the student completes the work independently. So say, for example, you're teaching a lesson on adding fractions with like denominators. First, you're going to model adding fractions with like denominators. You show the student how to do it, whether virtually, through a video, or in your classroom, you're showing them on the chalkboard or on your smart board. Then you say, okay, boys and girls or ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do it together. So you work with the students to complete adding fractions with like denominators together. You work with them, you walk around your classroom, you give them problems to make sure that they're doing it correctly and you're giving them feedback. Once you see that the students are doing well with the concept and you see that they're grasping it, they're understanding and release them to do it independently. Okay, there's another way to do this and I'm going to share it with you now. The second way you can do this 
again, you're going to have the teacher model. You're going to have the teacher and student do it together. But the third component would be for the students to do it together. So this is different because when the students do it together, you're still there, but you're slowly moving yourself away from the process. Then the last component is the students complete it independently. And one thing about this, one thing about the gradual release is that it is the process can be linear, but it doesn't have to be. The key is to make sure that in each step of the way, you're informally and formally assessing at each step of the way to see where as a teacher you need to adjust and readjust so that the students can gain that independence. So for example, if I'm working with students and I'm doing it with them, I'm looking, I'm looking to see where they are in the process of understanding that concept and making sure that they're following the procedures of how I taught them how to do it, or if they have their own way, their reasoning is correct. I want to make sure before I release my students that they really know what they're doing, okay? Yes, they are going to make the mistakes, but we wanna make sure that we're catching those mistakes so that we can provide just-in-time learning for them. So that when they go to do it independently, it may not be as difficult, but they can correct their own mistakes. The second high-impact strategy is reciprocal teaching. And this sounds like a lot, but when you break it down, it's not, it's not really a lot. So reciprocal teaching is composed of teaching students four different strategies. They can work independently and they can work together. The first part of the strategy is having students predict. The second part is having students question. The third part is having students clarify. And the fourth part is having students summarize. The key with this is to make sure that you teach students how to do each part of the strategy. Once you've done this, then students can work in collaborative groups to learn from each other. So for example, if you have a text that you're working on in English language arts and you have four students in a group, one person, one student is the predictor, another student is the questioner, another student is the clarifier, and another student is the summarizer. And I would suggest that before you put them into groups, you make sure that the students are able to independently perform these roles. So like we talked about before, you're using the gradual release to teach this strategy to make sure that when you put the students in groups, they're able to carry out the role confidently and correctly. And teaching reciprocal strategies leads to greater reader comprehension. And I know this because I worked with the fifth graders in small groups and saw how this really helped them to become better readers. The children I was working with were Title I students, and I taught them each step of the process, and they were able to get it. And this helped them to improve their reading. The third 
high impact strategy is activating and integrating prior knowledge. So prior knowledge is what your students already know about a concept, a topic, or a skill. If students have prior knowledge, this helps students to make a connection to what they're learning because they're able to use what they know to, to bring meaning to a new concept. For example, one of the things that I've always used was a KWL chart or graphic organizer. You work with students to fill out your digital chart. The K stands for what they know. The W stands for what they want to know or learn before teaching. And the L stands for what they learned after you've taught the concept. This is a very effective chart because you as the teacher can see when you do the know and what they want to know, you can see what they already know. It's a form of assessment when you see what they already know because that's going to determine what you teach. The fourth high impact strategy is deliberate practice. And I think this is one of the most overlooked strategies because Sometimes you think once students get a good score on a test or quiz, then you feel that they understand the content. But how do students really learn a new skill, strategy, or concept? They learn it by practicing. So you need to make sure that when students are practicing, they're practicing for a purpose and let students know the purpose. Is it for a specific goal? Is it to build a foundation? Is it is it for a feedback? And this is one of the mistakes I made when I was teaching because I always had my students practice, but I didn't give them a purpose. So it was hard for me to motivate them to continue to practice because they didn't know, okay, yes, we're practicing. We want to learn this concept. But if students have a purpose for practicing, then their intrinsic motivation for me might be higher. The fifth strategy is, is not really a strategy, but more so of a mindset. And this is what you think your students are capable of achieving. Let me explain it a little bit further. So this is what you believe about what your students can achieve is going to determine their academic growth. So in order for your students to do well, as the teacher, you need to question, what are any limiting beliefs that I have about my students? What are the limiting beliefs that I have about my students? Do I think because they come from a lower socioeconomic status that they may, be, that they may not be able to achieve? Or do I think that, oh, because they're, this is a Title I school that the students may not achieve? What are my limiting beliefs? What are your limiting beliefs as a teacher? If you think that your students are capable of high achievement, then your students will be high achievers. And I think that this is very important. What you believe about your students will determine the level of achievement that they have. And that, to me, is something that is very overlooked and we need to make sure that we pay attention to that. And another thing is that all of these strategies have an effect size of 0.7 and higher. 
So the effect size meaning the higher the number or the closer the number is to one, the more impact the strategy is going to have. So for example, if the strategy has an effect size of 0.30 or 0.20, it's not going to be very effective. If the strategy has an effect size of 0.5, for me, I would say 0.50 and above, then it's worth trying. And what you think about your students and what they can achieve has an effect size of 1.29. That is very high. So this one mindset strategy or concept can change your whole teaching. And that's something we definitely need to consider. So here are the key takeaways from this episode. Okay, we talked about gradual release. We're gradually releasing students to become more independent. Talked about reciprocal teaching where we're having students predict, question, clarify, and summarize. We talked about activating prior knowledge, so using what students already know to teach a concept. And we talked about deliberate practice, having students deliberately practice a concept or skill to get better and having a goal with that deliberate practice or finding a purpose for that deliberate practice. And last, we talked about teacher estimate of achievement. How you think about what your students can achieve is going to affect their achievement. Your plan of action for this week. I want you to choose one strategy that you will use and see how it works for you. This brings us to the end of our episode and I thank you so much for listening. If you found this content helpful, valuable, please share it, favorite it, and rate it on your favorite podcast app. And this is very important because it helps the show to keep going and it helps me to bring you more and more episodes. I'm doing this independently and so I'd really appreciate it if you could share the episode if you found it valuable. That would be a great help to me. You can also email me at teachersimpacteducation at gmail.com or follow me on Instagram at Shani Marie O. Twitter at Shani Marie O. Happy learning and growing.